to uh, preach the Word of God this morning and try and encourage, strengthen the body of the Lord. I take it as a, uh, a personal challenge every week to bring to bring something that is that's of good good food good food the lord he says he lays a table before us and we're not this morning in the presence of our enemies but we leave this building the enemies trying his thing but god lays a table before us so we can eat right Come and dine, come and dine. You know, this picture of the Lord being at the side of the shore. They're out toiling, trying to catch fish, and he has fixed them breakfast. That's that's a great rabbi, right? He could have said, hey, y'all come in and fix breakfast for me. I'm the rabbi here. But he fixed them breakfast. He said, come on and eat. And I think, you know, have you... Have you been toiling? Have you been toiling? The Lord has something for you to eat this morning. He wants to nourish you and, and lift you up. And so we look at the Word of God that way. I, I believe it is strength. Hey, the Word of God is quick and powerful, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword. And it, it uh, goes in and discerns, discerns the thoughts and the intents of our heart. If you go with me to uh, the book of John, I want to go... In the 8th chapter. And I want to take up a little something that we've been uh, ministering about. In the 8th chapter and then the 23rd verse. And uh, pretty important stuff right here. And he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are from this world. I am not from this world. Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. We're just going to stop right there. And I want to talk about this portion of Scripture and, and just some things concerning the Lord I am. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's just powerful. I pray that you would anoint me to share what you've placed in my heart this, this week for the encouragement of the brethren, sisters, our families, our lives. I pray that you would minister to our hearts right now, Lord, and it may we just see you in more closeness as you, Lord, have designed something to bless and touch us this morning, we pray. In your name, Jesus, everyone say amen. Amen, amen, amen. They had asked him in the 25th verse, and then they said to him, who are you? A few Sundays ago and and we had talked about that in a couple of couple of times, a couple of sessions. Who are you? And Jesus said to them, I, I like this answer that he says, and altogether, 
what I also say to you. The Lord, His intention is not to hold back revelation of who He is to us. But His intention is to give to those who are hungry. And so when we talk about revealing who He is and self-revelation of who He is, He will always feed the hungry and He will always turn away from those who are not hungry in the sense that He will not express Himself unless they are willing to receive. And I think we're kind of going there as a, as a church body. We've been talking about this. That God wants to reach the hungry. We've been thinking about Claremore and, um, you know, what we're doing here and, and the things that we're experiencing in this place. Um, the reasons why maybe some things haven't happened. We've wanted some things to happen and they haven't happened. And we've wanted a building and it hasn't happened. And But it's like the Lord is trying to change us, mold us into something. And uh, he's got a building that could happen in an instant. I mean, that that's I think the Lord's trying to teach us some things and uh, prepare us for, uh, again, that we don't just become a church somewhere. But Lord has has commissioned us for something. And, and I believe that is, is for us to minister to hungry. I don't want to, you know, I'm tired of trying to force the Lord on people. Can you say amen? I don't. It's almost like somehow in our spiritual psyche, we have been taught that it is our responsibility to force the Lord on people. That is not our responsibility. But we are to break open the bread of life. And to those that are hungry, those that do hunger, can you say amen? And so we release the responsibility of that as as a church body. I feel bad if people go to hell. I don't want people going to hell. But I cannot convince them otherwise. There has to be a hunger and a desire in their heart to know the Lord. And so I think if we take that approach, and we stay, we have, but if we, if we continue that approach, that we open, we open who the Lord is. We open the revelation of who He is and, 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 and try and show Him as that Lord and Savior, Rabbi, that one that can change our life. And then those that are hungry, I believe, will find some food to eat. So, the Lord here, talking to these Jews, it's not, it's not hopeless for them when He says you will die in your sin. But there's criteria there. If you do not believe, I am. And you know how important that is, right? I am that I am. All the way back to Moses. All the way back to the beginning. I am that I am. Now, here's the point. Jesus says, I've come. I'm, I'm not even of this world. I am. And we know that he's, he's down from heaven. Amen? We know. We understand that. Jews don't see that. They, they don't. Their religious order will not allow them to see that. And, but if they can break loose of that and realize that He is, so, so really, who are you? And this answer is intriguing. I, I am 
what I said from the beginning. What I begin to describe about myself, that's who I am. And, and now what I say right now, that's who I am. And what I will say in the future, that's who I am. So let me, let me give this. If anyone, anywhere, anytime, does not believe that Jesus Yeshua is, I am, they will die in their sins. So that's too hard, Pastor. Well, I didn't make that up. So I, I, I just, Lord, is it okay if we take your words and repeat them? So we have this thing out in the world, you know, where people are just coming to God. And, and having, having these God encounters and God experiences. Who, what God are you talking about? If you do not believe that Yeshua Jesus is I am, I don't care what God experience you have. You will die in your sins. That's a tough one. Wow, man. Oh. It just, that's not, that's not loving, Pastor, that is, that is, no, that's loving God. That's loving God. So, if anyone believes that any time during his ministry, he was not, I am, that one will die or has died in their sin. Everybody say amen. It's real simple. This is, this is just... This is simple, simple stuff. Elementary. If anyone believes that at any time during his passion that he was not, I am. They died in their sins, and they will die in their sins currently. Just. If anyone believes at any time that he was on the cross, that he lost his godness, that he lost his I amness, so that he could not confess I am any longer, that one will die in their sin. Man, that's a tough one. Because I heard this week that some believe and some preach and some teach that Jesus on the cross lost his divinity. He's either I am or he is not I am. Can the church say amen? But this is, this is just, simple, uh, just simple, simple stuff. You, know, you don't have to be a theologian to get this. Jesus said I am, and then somebody says, no, he was not on the cross. He was not I am on the cross. I beg to differ with you. If anyone says that in his burial... That in paradise, that in his resurrection and his ascension, at any time he was not I am, that one will die in their sin. And so this just leads me to believe that there's just, there's just one thing about him that I can believe. That he is God in the flesh. He's the demonstration of every, the fullness of the godness dwelled where? In him bodily. 
And so again, I go back to that verse, and, and, and I realized when I read this in the Greek that he started the verse with I and the father of me. The, 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 the English rendering says R1, but the Greek says one R. It starts with I, and it ends with am. The father is in him. He and the father are one. They are the same. The one and the same. And let me, let me say to you, I, we have an element in Christianity that believes. Now, it goes in all directions. And so I just want to touch on this this morning. I don't want to hammer people. I, I know I came from, let me, let me just testify for a minute. I came from a Trinitarian background. Okay. How many of you came from a Trinitarian background? <laughs> Almost the whole church, all right? Some of you were raised under us. Some of you didn't, you know, maybe a little that. And, and, and then as, as young people came, you know. But I was raised with this, this idea of the breakdown of God into um, distinct persons. Um, I do not believe that now. We do not teach that now. But I'm not mad at anybody who believes that. Because I know where I came from. I love the Lord then. And I love him now. I just have a view and a connection of him that I didn't have with this doctrine in mind that God's broken down into pieces. It's so beautiful and what, so what, what began to happen to me, and you all know this, and, and some of you were there 25 years ago when God began to change some things in my life and I began to teach some things. And I have Kay at home, and Kay is raised like I was raised, and Kay is saying, can you tell me, uh, with, you know, just in a simple sentence, can you tell me why you believe this? I said, no, no, I've got to go back over here, and we go, but please, just no. And so we would go through that and go through that and go through that. Because when you're raised a certain way, that's what you believe. And I look around the churches around us, and, and don't be mad at people. Don't be mad at them. Some people know better, some don't. Some people, all they have is what they, they've been raised. That's all they've got. They don't have anything else. They've never had more revelation of the Lord than what they have right now. That's it. Denomination is, is closed end. You will only get to there if you take one more step, you're out. And I understand that, and I, and I, I, and I, have, a, I, I have a compassion for that because it's not easy to leave some of the things that you were birthed in. Can you say amen? And so we teach, we teach it, we teach the Lord in revelation of the Lord, not in condemnation. I don't think that accomplishes anything. But then again, we teach, we must teach in the light that God has given us to teach in. I can't teach him where I was. I have to teach him where I am because the Lord is, his revelation is where he is today. And I can't go backwards and I can't live back that way. But I understand this about God. He is inseverable. Inseverable. Which means this. In any and every facet of manifestation of who he is, that the mode of self-revelation does not become its distinct or separate existence. I, I don't know. Maybe 
can't understand me. Let me let me give that again. The mode of self-revelation of God does not become its own distinct and separate existence. Last week I mentioned modalism. Modalism believes that God reveals himself to mankind in modes. Does everybody know what a mode is? And that mode does not become its own existence. Let me say, for instance, God reveals himself in the flesh. And then Jesus says, I must go away. But I'm coming back to you. But I'm not coming back in the flesh. You won't see me like this anymore. What you will see me in then is my spirit. But that mode, even though we see it changing from flesh to spirit, does not have its own existence separate from. So when God goes from showing us himself in the flesh to going to showing himself in the spirit, he doesn't change being God's and there is no separate distinction of him. But that he shows us a different manifestation of who he is. Can you say amen? Do you understand that? I'm not trying to confuse anybody this morning. And what I'm saying is he always remains I am. And so there's a lot of people going a direction that leaving Jesus behind, and uh, we're not going that direction. I don't care. Somebody said, you're not Pentecostal. Well, if it means that we have to leave Jesus behind and go somewhere else, we're not. Because I believe he is the high order of all things. Can you say amen? I believe he is preeminent in all things. I believe his name is above all names. I believe that he sets above all things and that all things are held together by the word of his power. So for those reasons, I'm not going to leave him behind and check into another mode, a distinct another mode that takes me another direction. And we've been talking about that with the church. What Jesus did in ministry, in his ministry, he also uh, accomplished in his church. And so we are assured, we rest in this. That Jesus is God incarnate. God only ever became one thing in the earth. Can you say amen there? It's found in John, the first chapter, the 14th verse. And the Logos, the word which is God, according to the first verse of the same chapter, became flesh and tabernacled among us. I want you to know this. This is the only thing God ever became in the earth. Did he show fire? Did he show a cloud? Did he show even theophanies in the Old Testament? Yes, he did. But as far as becoming, he only became flesh in the earth, but he still maintained his godness, I am, in the earth. Well, I'm kind of setting this up for, for something because... Jesus did not become sin.
Rodney was telling me he heard somebody recently preach that Jesus became sin. That he became every dirty, filthy. He became on the cross. He became the child molester. He became the homosexual. He became the LGBT stuff, queer, mess, garbage, filth. He became the prostitute on the cross. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Did he maintain his I amness on the cross? God is not sin. Did he bear the sin and nail it to the cross? Oh, yes, he did. Did he bear it in his body? Did he become the great sacrifice for sin? Was he the Lamb of God? See, when they took the Lamb back in the Old Testament, and one time a year for the sin of the nation and, 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 and brought that lamb and, and cut that lamb's throat and offered that lamb a sacrifice, that lamb did not become the sin of the nation. It was the sacrifice for the sin of the nation. That little lamb became nothing more than what it was, just a little lamb. But it was representative of the sacrifice. I want you to know that dirties the Lord up. That takes him from his godness. To say that God could not look on him on the cross. Who do you think is on the cross? He's God over the top of him. It is in, 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 in the beginning of each word, in each letter. It is Yahweh. He's there on the cross. Who do you think is there? It's some feeble lamb that was God and now is not God. No, he is God. He began as God. He was born as God. He died as God. He resurrected as God. He ascended as God. He returned as God. He is the Lord God that we serve this morning. I'm not going to allow him to be lessened, taken down and, 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 and literally made low. Oh, he who knows sin did not know sin. Oh, yeah, he became the lamb that was slain for our sin. But he maintained his godness in the whole thing. Can you say amen? Amen. Just, just checking into some of the things we believe this morning. I didn't know. Some of us may not believe that. So, so we're just checking in on that. Checking in to see if we really believe he is I am. Because the, the founding premise is this. If we don't believe he is, I am, we need to shut our Bibles and go home. Don't call yourself a Christian. Call yourself something else. But if you believe that he is the main object and subject, and you believe that all praise and honor and glory goes to him, and the other two gods don't get mad when you praise him. Oh, I've heard that too. There's only one name. Can you say amen? Now, had a bunch of names. We don't have to work with a bunch of names. The Old Testament, they were using, you know, Jehovah this and Jehovah that and Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Shaman and every kind of Jehovah out there. And they were trying to find ways to, to describe God. And then he showed up and said, I am who is here with you. I'm the one. I'm the one that was coming. Amen. Isn't that good? Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, now. We can go to the prophets and the psalmist and, and look for a revelation of Christ, and there is some there, and we talk about that. 
But I want to deal with, for a little bit, and probably the next little while, I want to deal with this. We've talked about I am, but I want to, I, I want to spread it out a little bit. Because when Jesus says, I am, it really means something. And, and so the things that he says about himself and I am, and there's several of them, I want to talk about some of those for a while. In John, the sixth chapter, in the 35th verse, and you can look at it, write it down if you want. You know it. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. See, he's not just bread. He's I am the bread of life. And so when we talk about I am the bread of life, it's not just, we're not just bringing a loaf of bread now. No. We're talking about the one who was and is and is to come. Describes himself as the bread of life. He puts it in the Lord's Prayer, and I pray this every day. I probably some most of you do. Give us this day our daily bread. And that bread means more than just give us today something to eat physically. And that's and that's part of it. Jesus said that healing is the children's bread. Give us healing today. That would be part of the bread. But really the bread that comes down out of heaven is something that we need to talk about. Because you can survive if you don't have a lot of money. You can survive even getting through sickness. It's not easy, but, but we can survive that. But you cannot survive without the bread that comes down out of heaven for your soul. Come on. Amen. And, and, and so this, when the Lord talks about I am the bread of life, there's, there's really some, some revelation here that he wants us to hear. He's talking to the Jews again in the sixth chapter, I am the bread of life, and he starts this discourse with them. I'm the bread that came down out of heaven. They don't quite understand what that means. They said, no, the manna came down out of heaven. And our fathers ate it, and uh, they were blessed with Moses and the manna. He said, no, your fathers died. But if anybody eats this bread that came down out of heaven, they shall live and will live eternally, have eternal life. And so this this discourse begins to go on with him, with the Jews, and with the crowd that was around him. And so the crowd was too large. I know we've mentioned this before, but never will a pastor, teacher, big-time evangelist ever tell you the crowd is too large. Only God does that. Gideon, you got too many. So Gideon, he's got to fight. He's fighting an innumerable army that just, I mean, it's not. When he calls for the, for the warriors of Israel to come, there's maybe one to a thousand to fight. And it just is, and the Lord says, no, you got too many is the problem. Jesus' ministry had too many. Oh, no, no, the Lord wants everybody to come. No, he doesn't. Nope, nope. Only the hungry for him. Is that something we have to have clarity here? He's the bread, but he doesn't want to eat anybody eating the bread that's not hungry for him. And so there's too many. How could there be too many? God's trying to save the world. Well, no, not really. 
He's looking for those that are hungry. The Father is searching for those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. Amen? So we've got this idea in our mind that God is just, just wringing out His hands. You know, He doesn't know what to do. Look at the world. Look at all the sin. Look at the direction they're going. I just don't know what to do. Wow, I've got to send an end-time revival and get everybody all stirred up. No, 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 no. He's not sending an end-time revival. Boy, that felt quiet. God's not sending an end-time revival. Sorry. You find it in Scripture for me, and I'll stand up here and say I was wrong. What I read in Scripture is a great falling away. That's what I read. But he is always going to feed the hungry. So if there was a mass of people that were hungry, he would feed them. But he's got too many people following him around today. There's just too many people. So he says this. The Scripture says this. Jesus said, You're following me because you saw the miracles and you ate the loaves and you're following me around. I want to tell you this, that his gospel is not about miracles, signs, and wonders. Sorry. Those that are following that stuff, I'm going to put them right in the category that Jesus put them in. You're, you're there. You're, 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 you, you like the miracles. You're looking for signs. You're looking for wonders. You're looking for the loaves. But you're not desiring me. And so I've got to preach a message now that's going to empty the house. And would to God that people would get pastors, would get in a pulpit and preach a message that will empty their church. I'm going to tell you what it is. That Jesus is I am, and that he's the only bread, and he's the only thing that we're to eat. That's going to empty the house. It worked back then, and it'll work now. Uh, thank the Lord, I believe that everybody here this morning already, already is in, a, in alignment with this. But, but Jesus said, labor for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. For the Father sealed this one, woohoo, the Son of Man, the one God. You aren't going to catch that in Greek. But God has sealed him as God in the earth, the voice, the mouthpiece of God in the earth. You're not going to receive anything from anywhere else but from this bread of life. Why would Jesus want it to go from a mega crowd to a micro crowd. That seems like the reverse. The kingdom is not being built if you do that, Pastor. I mean, we have to be user-friendly. I am not user-friendly with the gospel. This church is not user-friendly with the gospel. Everybody is not welcome here. Sorry. That's what the world has put out about the church. That is not what Jesus put out about the church. Those that do hunger... And I don't care who it is and what they look like. If they're hungry, they are welcome to come and sit. But they're looking for signs and miracles and wonders and loaves to eat. They came to the wrong place. Because what we're here for is to hear the King. To hear the Lord. Can you say amen? And so in this way with Jesus, everybody was not welcome. And he knew that this message would clean the house. And so he gets up and he begins to preach it anyway. Because 
He has a little flock. I'm sorry to say this morning that the mega stuff, now I believe in MAGA, but not mega. I'm okay with the MAGA, right? The MAGA is make America great again, again. But I don't believe in the mega church. And I say, Pastor, I know why you don't believe in it. Look, hey, we just got this small group. I love this small group. I, I said this to uh, the family. I found the church of my dreams. This is it. Pastor, we don't even have a building. Yeah, yeah. We don't, you know, we're foreigners here in a, in a, in a land that we haven't been received in. Yeah, yeah. I've found the church of my dreams. Brethren so close. People that love the Lord. People that want to hear from God. People that just want to serve Him. They just want to love Him. They just want to live for Him. They want to live their lives and just love Jesus and, and know Him and understand Him. And, and I am so comfortable with that. If anybody else has found the church of your dreams, can you say amen this morning? Because I'm not looking for something else because what God has is so good and so true for us. Listen, Bethlehem. Would Jesus have been born anywhere else other than Bethlehem? Bethlehem, Beth, the house, Lickham of bread. Oh, I know, Jesus went down to the city of David because that's, you know, he's a, a David is his, his great ancestor, and, and so he had to come in, in, in the line of David, and so Caesar called for all the world, the census, and that's the reason why, because he went down to the city of David. No, no, that's not the full reason. The reason is he went to the city of Beth, Lechem. The bread of life could only have been born in one place, the house of bread. It just The scriptures make sense when you finally get there. It only makes sense that he would be born in the place. And, and so I'm thinking about Ruth and Naomi. Remember the story about Ruth and Naomi? And Naomi went down and her husband uh, went down and took their sons. And they, they went down to, to Moab because there was no bread in the house. Bethlehem, it was, it was, there was famine. While down in Moab, her two sons married, but they died. Her husband died, and now she's left alone. She's got the two daughter-in-laws, and uh, one daughter-in-law says, I'm going to stay here. The other one, Ruth, says, I'm going with you. And they bound their hearts as one. And, and that's amazing. A mainline preacher, I'm just going to throw this out here so you'll know where it's at. Mainline black preacher, doesn't matter if he's black or not, but mainline black preacher said this. I'm leaving the door open that Naomi and Ruth were lesbians. You talk about not knowing God. Not understanding the scripture. Not understanding the layout of what God is doing in his word. This guy is in big places. Yeah. Yeah, the potter's house is where he's at. I would suggest to you not to watch the potter's house. And Ruth says, 
I don't know where we're going, Naomi, but your people are going to be my people, and your God is going to be my God. What she doesn't know is that she's going to figure into the lineage of Christ. She has no way of knowing that. But it's interesting that they heard. The Scripture said, let, let me read it to you what, exactly how it said it. It said, and Naomi heard that Yahweh had visited his people in giving them bread. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Joseph and Mary, they too went and came till they got to the house of bread. For Yahweh had visited the house of bread. And Yahweh was born in Bethlehem, Judea. Micah says, Micah says, Though thou be little Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou little among the thousands, yet the one that's going to come forth from you will be ruler. He is from old and from everlasting. Do you think that God knows what he's doing? So when Jesus said, I'm not from here, I came down out of heaven, he came down out of heaven as, and was produced and introduced where? In Bethlehem. Because he is the bread of life. Hallelujah. You can say, well, that just happened by chance. I don't think so. I, I love it the way that I just said it. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. And so the Lord had this distinct thing about bread. It was interesting, and we, we have mentioned this before. You've, years ago, we've talked about this, how that Jesus handled bread. Bread to him was uh, something that was special. Um, he did this. He had this trademark thing about bread. And he would take these steps. He would take it. He would bless it. He would break it. And he would give it. So when you find him in his ministry, feeding the 5,000, that's exactly what he did. When you find him breaking it with the brethren at the Last Supper, that is exactly what he did. When you find him and they didn't know who he was on the road to a mess, they asked him to stop and stay with them. And then he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. They knew who he was. Their eyes were opened. Oh, I've seen that before. Because it was representative of him. What do you think he did? He took it. He took that body. He took his life. He took a suke and he blessed it and he broke it. He broke it on the cross. He broke it for you and I. He laid it bare. He took the whip. He took the cross. He bled out. He died for you and I in his body so that in the breaking of his body, he might be able to give it out to you and I. And no wonder he says, if you do not eat of my body, if you do not drink of my blood, you have no life in you. Because he's the bread of life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
again, let me say to you that this salvation is an exclusive salvation. This is not an inclusive thing that, that God is doing. You know, I'm just including everybody. No, he's not including everybody. Those that don't eat have no life in them. And you won't eat if you're not hungry. Have you ever been to the table where you just weren't hungry? It, it's rare that it happens to me, but, but it's happened before. I don't, you know, just eat a bite of this, a bite of that. Call it good, you know. Well, the problem was I ate too many snacks, you know, and ate snacks I've been hungry. But you're only going to eat if you're hungry. In spirit, you're only going to eat if you're hungry. If you're full of what the world's done all week, come on, amen. If you're full of that stuff and, and you know, just you, your mind is there and, and you love the Lord, but, you know, you're just, you're, you're just not really here today. Have you ever been in church that you weren't really here today? But if you're hungry, you're going to eat, right? If you're hungry, you're going to eat. And so we present the Lord, and if we're hungry, then we'll eat of Him. But this, this exclusive salvation doesn't go any other direction than eating of Him. Church can't do it for you. Sorry. Speaking in tongues can't do it for you. Sorry. Good works can't do it. For you, if you don't eat of him, there is no life in you. I've known people that have been in church all their life and never ate of the Lord. Nice people. But they just didn't eat of the Lord. But when you begin to eat of the Lord, the life begins to come in your body, into your spirit, into your mind. And now I'm going to close down here. Um, wow. Wow. We are going to get out so early this morning. Everybody's going to rejoice over that for sure. So to eat, what does it mean to eat? And, and the Jews at this point raised the question of cannibalism. How can we eat of your flesh? What do we do? Okay, stick your arm out. You take a bite out of your arm. That's what they're thinking. You know, they're just detached from where the Lord's at. You know, they don't see revelation at all. And so he... He doesn't even really answer that as though he just keeps breaking it down that, that this eating is of spiritual life. This is spiritual life. When you eat of him, it is spirit. What does it mean to eat? The same as it meant in the Greek, to ingest into your body. You can't eat without putting it into your body, and it really actually means to consume, to take something to chew it up, and to swallow it. You have an eat if you put it in your mouth, wash it around a little bit, get the taste of it, and spit it out. You didn't eat. When you ingest it into your body, then you have eaten. When you take that food, chew it up, taste it. That's why the Lord said, taste and see that the Lord is good. But you don't spit it out. Let's, let's put it this way. You receive it into yourself. Can you accept the Lord without eating, ingesting, receiving into yourself? 
And I think the answer is no. I think the answer is no. You must eat. And so when we look at this last part where it talks about eating, it's eating of the spiritual. And so this, this idea of what happens inside of us, so many people have got salvation confused with the outside. Salvation is not about the outside. What happens to you on the inside is going to fix the outside. You don't fix the outside first. You eat. It fixes the inside. It's just like the process of life. Somebody said eating meat, eating steak, some, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that the other day of Josh has converted. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I'm going to use him now. You know, and the other day we're at men's breakfast. I said, you know, you're eating swine. We were having breakfast and, and, and bacon. It was good that he's converted a little bit. But, but for a time, he didn't eat meat. But they say, someone will say, red meat's going to kill you, give you cancer. And then someone else say, you eat red meat. If you are in sports and you want your body strong and recovery power in your body, eat meat, eat steak, eat, you know. And so somebody says, no, you're going to get cancer. And the other one say, no, you're going to. But eating is the only way to get your body strong. You can't. If you don't eat, you're going to be weak. And you need to eat certain things. I mean, even if you are vegan, there's still certain things you have to eat that your body will be strong. And so God takes this, this physical principle that he set up humanity in and translates it into the spirit so that if we don't eat of the spirit, you will not be Why do you think that we have services... Why don't we just meet one time a year? Why don't we meet just one time in 10 years? We're all Christians. We're all doing good because we all need to eat. And when the preacher gets up, whether that's me or one of the other brothers, and we, and we, and we present the Word of God, that's food to our spirits. So we eat that, and then we go out, and, and we have some strength in the Lord. Amen. And so it's all in receiving, okay? And so I, I want to show you something here. There's, there's a passage, there's a prototype of eating. Now I want you to stretch your, your physical imagination just a little bit, okay? John, the 20th chapter, and the 22nd verse. And Jesus stood in their midst. This is after his, uh, after his rising from the dead, his resurrection, and his ascension. And But he stood in their midst. He did something that is, we've got to connect with it. He breathed into them. And when he breathed into them, he said this, receive The Spirit Holy or the Holy Spirit. Okay. Like I said earlier, if we have some kind of distinctions between Christ and His Spirit, we're going to have to get rid of those. Because He breathed into them. What did He breathe into them? He breathed into him them His Spirit. And that Spirit is Holy Spirit. This is so elementary too. That there's no way you can miss this. 
He breathes them. They're sitting around. I'm not going to breathe on because my breath isn't, isn't real good here. I haven't ate this morning. Now I've been preaching. And so let's get back a little bit. And the spirits, or, or the word said, and he exhaled. And when he did, he said, receive. Ingest. Consume. See, God is not forcing his spirit upon us. You've got to receive it. He's not going to make you and hold you down and twist your arm up behind your back and say, now you're going to get it. No, you're not going to get it. And listen, friend, you don't get his spirit some other time when you come to him in salvation. That's when he breathes into you the breath of life, and that's when you receive it down into your body and what happens is his spirit connects with your spirit and now we are called the children of God because his spirit has connected our spirit and we are birthed from above in that process of him breathing his breath into our life we all thought it was about us oh Lord forgive me of my sin that's not enough Everybody okay? I've been there too, you know. Lord, I've done wrong. Forgive me my sin. No, there has to be a receiving of the breath or the bread of life. Open my spirit. Open my I don't care if I have to literally open my fleshly mouth and breathe in when God's spirit is moving, when God is pouring out, when God is touching people, when the ministering of the word of God comes to us, when the revelation of Jesus Christ comes out. How do you think you get just lodge it in your brain? That's not where it resides. It resides in your spirit and God births you and you are born again. You are born from above, Nicodemus. Don't you get it? This does has nothing to do with the flesh. This has nothing to do with baptisms. It has nothing to do with what you say and what you think you know about God. This has to do with the breath of God breathing into your spirit. And there, as you receive that breath of God, that's where you change into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Well, I don't mean to ride an old hobby horse. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Quoting verses won't get her done. Should we Bible study? Yes, Bible study won't get it done. Prayer won't get it done. Again, I knew two men that crawled in boxes and went in their garage, crawled in boxes, and laid there all day praying. They were some of the most unspiritual men I've ever known. Receiving the breath of God into our life is what gets it done. Now let's go to the day of Pentecost. They're sitting there. And they hear a sound from heaven. You know what the sound from heaven is? It's spirit. Spirit, the word. It's an, it's an Old Testament word, ruach, which means the same thing as the New Testament word, pneuma. It's wind. It's breath. It's spirit. 
It is not Casper the friendly ghost. Don't let anybody fool you into an apparition. Come on, church, say amen. There's a lot of people that have been fooled into apparitions. Don't let anybody fool you into an apparition. The Spirit of God is not an apparition. But Jesus said it's like the wind. Nicodemus, you know, it blows over here. Where did it come from? You can't even tell. You don't even know. My spirit's not some little form of a phantom. The, the word in the, in, in the Greek is phantasma. That's a phantom. That's a ghost. I don't serve phantasma. But God is spirit. Can you say amen? God is breath. God is life. The bread that we eat, the bread that we breathe in and ingest into our body is just exactly what Jesus, what God did in Genesis, the, the second chapter, when he laid man out and had formed man and, and, and from the dust of the earth. And then it said, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This is the picture of what happens in the born again experience. He breathes into our nostrils the very breath spirit of God into us and we become living souls. Before that, we're dead men walking. Now we have become alive because we have taken of the bread of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm going to finish with this. This verse that we all know very well, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And who believes that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Anybody here? Amen, amen. Then what he did before was accurate. He doesn't change it. When he breathed into them and said, receive Holy Spirit, then he would breathe into us and say, receive Holy Spirit. Can everybody say amen? No, the church age, Pastor. No, 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 Jesus didn't change. It's still his, it's still his, his spirit. And he still breathes into men and women who are hungry and thirsty and waiting and watching. He breathes out and we breathe in. He breathes out and we breathe in. I've been in some places where he did not breathe out and I did not want to breathe in. I've been in some services, I've been under some ministry that I did not want to breathe in what they were doing. But this morning, if you can see him, if you can see him breathing upon his people, if you can understand that is his will towards us, is that he wants to breathe life into us, then we receive that breath and we breathe it in. We say, God, give it to us. Lord, give us your food to eat. Give us food to eat. And that is exactly what he will do. He will breathe into our spirits. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? He is the bread of life. And so, when he said, I am the bread of life, I just believe him. I just believe him this morning. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me?